to tell the damn story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, helps you decide how you want to tell the damn story. Today, we're going to speak about a whole bunch of stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Most of it is creative uh, uh, related, so strap in, ladies and gentlemen. Who's going to do this? Well, there is me. Chris Ryan, and I'm a former journalist and longtime teacher and independent author who has now been traditionally published as well, first time in a long time, um, and with us to guide us through wisdom to the promised land of creativity. What do we promise? It could only be one man. <laughs> this is the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detective writing, great underused character developing, and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Aaron Blackjack Day, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect today's problems. Ladies and gentlemen, that can only be one man, one legend, one myth, one icon. <laughs> Alex Simmons! <laughs> Good evening, folks. Good to see you here again. <laughs> All right. And today's uh, episode is not is fake sponsored by <laughs> fake sponsored, uh, right? California Scheming, the 2020 ButcherCon anthology. Great Woo! stories, including uh, Kara Black and Perry Scott Turow, Walter Mosley. Uh, Anthony Horowitz, Katronia McPherson, and moi. Yes, I'm in there. You're in that. You're in that. And, and also sponsored, not really, but we're going to play. <laughs> but we're going to talk about them anyway. The legendary trade paperback opus from co-founder of Tell a Damn Story, Tim Fielder. That is infinitum. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have not picked that up yet... Well, you're missing an open opus for the ages, ladies That's and right. gentlemen. And the reviewers are already talking great, great gobs of praise for this. Gobs, show. baby. Oh, get gobs. out there. Not every book gets Find gobs. Your copies. I also want to um, free promote uh, another book. Um, uh, the editor of California Scheming, the 2020 ButcherCon anthology, still available. Uh, with Chris Ryan. Yes. Uh, Chris Ryan's in there. Um was edited by Art Taylor. Now, I attended a webinar not too long ago with him, and one of the books he just casually mentioned was Benjamin Piercy's Thrill Me, Essays on Fiction. It's been out for a while, but, uh, you know, I don't care. I don't mind being late for the show. I just want to learn. And uh, it's really fun. It's very accessible to read. And I've been um, applying the lessons, you know. For example, one had... Um, one early essay had this uh, uh, things that you have to include. You know, you really need to do this. And he had four things he was talking about. Creative nar uh, narrative goal, clear, clear narrative goals. Uh, human urgency, that means emotional art. Uh, you, know, you should create obstacles that ramp up tension and create lower order goals. And I read these and I, oh, yeah, yeah. So then I went through the first 50 pages of um, Everyone Pays which uh, is in its 452nd rewrite, I think. Um, over a period of years, folks. Over, over a period, period of years. years. It, it was out for a while and won a few awards, and I said, it could still be better. Yes, we can um, make it faster, stronger. Yeah. And it's, almost every paragraph has been touched 
edited, rewrite, tweet, you know, yeah. Okay, so I went through about the first 50 or 60 pages and uh, found that a lot of the stuff was there, but but much more fun. Oh, if I change that line a little bit, you know, the narrative goal is clearer, or or this will amp up the tension of that, and it really helped the writing. The writing is tight; it sings, and it does so much more. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Check it out. You like? You what, was like the you what was the name it of the book? What's the name of the book? The author is Benjamin Piercy, and he has uh, he's the author of four novels: The Dark Net, The Deadlands, Red Moon, and The Wilding, and two collections of short stories. He is a contributing editor at Esquire and writes the Green Arrow and Teen Titans series at DC Comics. Benjamin Piercy, and the name of the book is Thrill Me: Essays on Fiction, and go. it's very accessible. Very easy to read, very easy to digest, and that's how, you know, I, I'm always thrilled when I grab an idea, get it through my thick skull, and apply it, and oh, I'm having a great time with it. So there you go. Okay. So, uh, so, so did we did we cover all the books that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I'm saving this for later. Oh, okay. So I'm going to mention one if, if ah. the technology works for me here, because I normally never have to do this, but uh, I'm going to share my screen uh, without my face on it. To share one more book without my so let's see does that work no it didn't work there yet. it is there, there it is. is okay you can see it I can't but that's good what do you see Chris because I, I see, see Black Panther Tales of Wakanda a groundbreaking anthology from the African diaspora diaspora this diaspora and, yeah, so and what authors are in there. Uh, well, there's a number of authors in there, 18 of them. Uh, Nikki Giovanni, uh, myself, yes, I'm in there. 17, uh, Jesse Holland, who's also not only one of the writers, but also is the mastermind behind bringing this whole project together for Marvel uh, slash Titan books. And that's coming out, uh, actually, it's coming out in a few days. A few days. pre-ordered already. But yes, Tales of, uh, Black Panther, Tales of Wakanda, and I'm really excited to be in this book with some really stellar writers i'm just you know i'm i'm i i am proud that they invited me to the party just tremendously happy about that yeah so i just wanted to you know bring that up there i'm going to start our promotions are done our shameless sponsors have paid us in silence thank you our shameless and penniless promotions (laughs) profitless promotions have finished hopefully you'll make some money on the wakanda book but uh and i would love to California scheming to get in. Oh, actually, I got paid for that short story because I'm a pro. That's, that's right. 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 That's right. You know, yeah. Not just your right. indie pub, you are pubbed. I'm pubbed. That's right. You and not pubbed. only am I pubbed, we're going to get to the next section of the show now. Yes, by the way, we didn't promise all kinds of things. So, folks, you're going to you're going to have the thrilling stuff yeah. that you've already had. Plus, WandaVision, we're going to talk about that. And then yeah. we're going to talk about writing and we're going to talk about traveling and what people we, it's just it's power of it's just just, fun and information you know it's it's chock full it's just chock full yes just chock and um this and week we're chilly today yes go this ahead this week i had an experience uh that uh comments on the um the national predicament oh oh okay yes. i got vaccinated ah yes was the it goddess in one or two. Uh, I'm sorry. 
What was it? Vaccination. Vaccination one? number one. I go back in a month for vaccination number two. Oh. But uh, we had focused on um, getting my in-laws who are in their nineties, um, and my sister-in-law, the uh, maid of honor at our wedding, mm-hmm. who uh, has multiple uh, um, health issues, health concerns, health issues. Yeah. And then because Tina is frontline working with all three of them on a daily basis, she got uh, a vaccine with them because, you know, uh, she yeah. needed a group, right? So they were all covered. Um, so the geezer was the uh, last one to uh, of the older people in the household uh, to be concerned and considering, you know, uh, some things that I have that uh, put me in. Um, you know, besides working in schools, you know, the, uh, there's some other stuff happening. And I said, yeah, that bring, come in. So I went to um, the medical uh, uh, center of the universe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Avengers headquarters? <laughs> yes, the Avengers headquarters yeah. for um, Moderna vaccinations. Uh, it goes through, uh, it's a big um, uh, code word, but it goes by the initials CVS. Oh, so, <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah, I, I've heard yeah. about them. And it was... Um, Aren't they connected um, with Cadmus? <laughs> yes, I think, I think they are, actually. I do feel like I have some superpowers. Yeah. Um, the interest, it, They have a whole system set up where you have to go from station to station, and they check to make sure, and, you know, everything is uh, checked three ways to Sunday. And even when it goes awry, because you're supposed to get a text before you arrived... And I arrived before the text, but they showed me what to do and all this sort of stuff. Even if there were the glitches there, they kept calm. They they worked it through. It was very. I was very impressed with them, hmm. and I kept finding myself thanking them for the generosity of not just saying "screw it, I'm on my break." You know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of people in this country that are doing the Lord's work these days. And God bless them. So, yep, got my first shot, and uh, they make you sit and wait for 15 minutes. So I was kind of, okay, so what happens 15 minutes? Do, do I get spider powers? Uh, do, I become, do I become the man bat? What is happening yeah, here? Let's I'm get up. I'm turning blue, and the hair on my face is growing. What's happening? <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, for a creative, those 15 minutes are really fun. You know, like if my my wife was, she, when she sat the 15 minutes, she wrote a grocery list. <laughs> right? Right? God bless her. Right? I sit there, I'm like, well, if you had to, which would you want to become? Was it Spider-Man? Morbius, the living vampire? Werewolf by night? You know? <laughs> Man bat? If it went awry, which would you want to be? You know, some, Yo, well, some the abomination that I'm clear yeah, on not that the one. abomination yeah. and, and not some new uh, uh, supervillain called pandemic. Right. We, if this oh, was the 70s, Stan would have already had them yeah. in the Fantastic yeah. Four. Fantastic Four versus pandemic. Right? It would probably be two or maybe it would be a female character and he'd go Pam because yeah, that was how, that's how he was. You want Corvitus. And then there would be an exclamation point because it was yeah. in the Fantastic Four. But anyway, that's what I did. And also, I'm very excited because you you said you're ready. So uh, I watched uh, with the goddess. Uh, I watched WandaVision episode eight. Yep. yep. Um, yep. I watched it four times. Wow. 
Now wow. we're we're talking about seven and eight today with no spoilers. Well, you know, it wasn't for me at all. I'm not a fanboy. I'm a professional podcaster. Right. And I was doing research so that I would be well versed because I must make salient points without violating Alex Simmons' sacred no spoiler rule. You know, someone's <laughs> gonna stand for something. You know? You're the uh, you're the you're the last man standing on the no, no spoiler rule. I have watched so many videos that went almost frame by frame. Spoiler, they just go no spoilers, and then everything, every frame and all that stuff. But I did have two points that uh, I thought we could offer that are um, important or useful to creatives. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a way of watching WandaVision as not only just for entertainment, but as the master class that it actually is. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the show is a case study of the writing device of posing questions to get people thinking and what if and, and, and wait, wanting to see the next episode. And then that next episode answering them and then asking more and it's a key element in storytelling, and WandaVision is offering a master class. Before we went on, you and I were talking, uh, and, and were in fact spoiling for each other, because we both had watched it, and we were mentioning how many questions we still have, or at least I, you know, have. and we're, the last episode is next Friday, and it is just, it's thrilling for, for me, and I'm gonna hear your comments in a second, to be able to say yes, Virginia, I, I haven't figured it all out. You know, um, you know, I can't say. You know, it was it was the butler with the knife. Yes, cloakroom. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you can't because yeah, I don't think she conjured up one of the. Oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we have to remember. We have to remember what Vision's consciousness was in its earlier stages. So there is a butler in the story. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was kind of a kind of a tech butler, yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I have a second point. Uh, the concurrent masterclass that they are offering is delivering Easter eggs that deeper fans like you and I, you know, Marvel fanboy nerds, mm-hmm. can enjoy, but that are not required to understand the show. You know, I'm sitting right next to the goddess. The goddess has not, you know, uh, uh, embraced um, 30 years, 40 years of Marvel lore, you know. Um, and she, the plots are crystal clear to her. And then when we, she likes to watch the, um, the, the YouTube shows. That right. Say, 97 Easter eggs that you missed because she gets a kick out of all this little extra stuff that she never read. You know, mm-hmm. which brings us to this collection. Now, the, right over your shoulder there, the uh, right. Avengers and, and what is that? And, and, and the Scarlet Witch, ah. uh, A Year in the Life. It, it was the 12-issue miniseries. And um, I had never read it, and they kept mentioning it in these little YouTube uh, shows. So I said, oh, let, me, let me see if I can get my hands on it and give it a read. And it's Engelhart's writing, you know. So it's, uh, you know, in the 70s, the Marvel, the real secret with Marvel was that it was 
action and suspense mixed heavily with daytime soap opera. <laughs> and that you can really see a lot of elements of soap opera in, in, in the Marvel films and, and definitely the shows and all that stuff. But one of the things that I, I noticed is they, the WandaVision takes these deep dives and will pluck a little, just a little point and then sprinkle it in the show and you don't need it. You don't need it to enjoy it. But if you know it, you know, like um, one well, that I... I, mean, I have to just quickly say that they did that in the movies, too. I mean, oh, they, definitely. Easter eggs like crazy. And they saw how that just hypercharged the fan base. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's like getting, you know, sorry, folks, for this sort of base example. But, you know, it's like giving someone a little taste and then they get hooked. You know, they go looking for it. <laughs> I would well, say that's that's I'm definitely part of the experience. To see um, the, uh, the after can, we, uh, can uh, is it a violation of the Simmons law to talk about episode two at this point? Well, if they haven't watched episode two by now, I'm assuming they're not interested in the show. Okay, so there's a <laughs> this is still when they're in black and white, right? Yeah, and they do a magic show, right? Yeah, and they introduce themselves. Do you remember how they introduced themselves as? Actually, no, I don't. Okay. Glamour and Illusion. That's their stage names. In this collection, there's two minor characters who have low-level superpowers. One person uh, calls herself Glamour, and the other person calls himself Illusion. And they help, they become friends with Vision and the Scarlet Witch. And they, instead of fighting crime, they use their powers in this uh, club that they own which is a magic show club. And, you know, they do a lot of business because no one can figure out how they do their magic. Well, it's really superpowers, and a lot of stuff, yeah. which is really a, a fun foil for these two. But they, they bothered to do the work where they were, in, you know, mm-hmm. versed enough to say, when we do that episode, you know, which is based on a bewitch-type, uh, uh, you know, situation comedy. Like bewitched or whatever, yeah. Let's name them that. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that stuff is so much fun. But by, by um, the way, what's the name of the book again? In case people didn't catch it, uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch. It's it co- comes out uh, as um, Avengers: Vision and the Scarlet Witch, A Year in the Life, and it's just a yeah. collection of that twelve uh, issue miniseries. Right. But it, it's just chock right. full of little things like that. Um, so I want to hear what you think, man. That episode eight. <laughs> okay, so because uh, I also clock watch here, folks, because I'm the timer. Dude. One of us has to. I'll, I'll go through this. I'll, <laughs> I'll go through this uh, reasonably quickly without spoilers. So, uh, ep- episode um, seven and eight were absolutely wild and wonderful. I, if anybody who watched the show or our show um, last time will know that I missed seven, and so we couldn't talk about it at all. So I watched seven and eight. Uh, we couldn't not I, talk about it. <laughs> right. and, and I will say that seven and eight delivered all the things that Chris said, plus two things that stand out to me. One, um, I will approach this from the the behind the cameras uh, point of view and say, and I'm, I know you're going to know her name. The actress who is playing uh, Wanda is Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, she gives a really wonderful performance in eight. You know, whatever you saw her as in the first two or three episodes, 
and you got this little wink here and there of something else happening underneath. It's now being allowed that that that, that emotional state of being, whatever is going on. It, it, we now get to watch this actress play it again, still subtle in her her usage of these emotions, but you can see them now. You can see them simmering. You can see them starting to rise. And she doesn't overplay. She doesn't overblow anything. And I think it makes the character with, with all her powers so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that work on her part. And then, you know, I will also say again from behind the camera, uh, let us not uh, ignore that there was a couple of Easter eggs in there that I did catch, but there was a big one that I did not, a big one, and I, Chris knows which one I'm talking about, huge, that I didn't catch because the show, the series, has been doing such wonderful work in re, what, reimagining, not reimagining, in, in uh, replicating and reflecting the tone of the old TV shows, so much so that what I didn't pick up on, I didn't <clears throat> because it was an organic thing to those old shows. I bought it as, oh, a typical element of the old show. So You're talking about making any any element of the story work on more than one level. Exactly. exactly. They do such a great job of that. Right. And so ultimately, this one came up and smacked me on the, on, on the face. Uh, my, one of my sons anticipated it for different reasons, but I was sitting there going... So he was watching all the YouTube shows yeah. that have been talking about it. No comments. No comments. No comments. Again, this is no spoiler thing. It's tough. But yeah, this thing that happened, many of you may have seen it coming, may have expected it, may not have expected it. But either way, you know, kudos to the production, to the performers, uh, to the writers. It's just really, really well done. And I actually am both happy, thrilled that this is a once a week thing that you can't binge like crazy, blow through all eight in one shot. I'm also pissed that I have to wait until next Friday to well, see how they handle that last episode. Well, when was the last time we felt like that, right? I mean, we really, uh, we have been spoiled or tra- retrained with Netflix and that kind of stuff to get it all in one shot. Well, see, now, Either- I, will, I, will, I will defend myself on that level by saying that, you know, I don't, I don't mainline anything. You know, I, 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 will, I will, like, even with when Daredevil I have, first I, hit, yes, I have you been, know, you're a weaker man. Been a junkie. Old codgers. We know how to hang on to the good old stuff. Anyway, uh, I have Netflix, been a Netflix junkie. People, people, <laughs> were, people were binge watching the Daredevil show. I hit maybe two episodes once in a blue moon. But mm. to me, it was like, I can't sit and watch something for eight hours. I can't do that. I got stuff to do. You know, I got places to go. I don't now, I don't have that many places to go because of the pandemic. But nevertheless, no, you know, I like having some space. In right. which it gives me time to digest what's happened it gives me time to ponder possibilities to have fun with the material that was put in front of me it is it, you know disney has done and marvel has done th- that service to the consumer of stories we re- re- returned or brought us back reminded us of the joy of anticipation yeah the joy of dissecting 
and deconstructing and making room for discussion uh, and yes. debate and all that kind of and stuff. That, all that you know, at, yeah, I gave people time to look for all those Easter eggs. Then we could go, oh, yes. My. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. While they continue to do both, you know, the Easter egg service and all that yeah. stuff, but the master class of answering some questions and asking more. We are anticipating episode nine next Friday, and there are an abundance of questions. You know, the possible villain, is she, isn't she? The, isn't he? you know, will there be, will there be a face-off, you know, between versions? Will there be, you know, what happened to her? Where is she? What is that guy? Is that guy this or is that guy? What the hell's going on with that rabbit? You know, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much. And, and, Compliments are in order for all of Marvel, but uh, what is the TV uh, awards? Is that the Emmy, right? That's yep, the Emmy. That's the yeah. Emmy. These the, from top to bottom, they need nominations from the writing staff to the tech, right? Who, the, who got? I mean, they got they got each sitcom feel right. Yeah. From the lighting to the the screen size to the um, sets, the the costume design. Um, even even the cadence of dialogue and the cadence the of dialogue, the camera work, and then the the top three uh, performers. And then we're right? gonna move on. Okay, go ahead. Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, and Catherine Hahn. They all need all need performance uh, 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 nominations because they acted not only true to their characters. But true to their characters in each decade, in each situation, characters for yeah. the force. If you haven't watched it, you can. Don't listen to Alex. You can binge episodes one through eight and be with us for episode nine. All right, that part of the show. All right, so done. wait a minute. I got an assignment for you. I got an assignment for you. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, I'm going to need not... something to watch after. Yep. after Friday, so what should I do? So here's the thing. This we're t- what we're talking about is 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 on uh, with WandaVision on on the wonderfulness of the Disney Channel. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump the stream here. We're gonna jump the stream over to another streamer, HBO Max. Uh-huh. It was a series that started a long way back. I forget what month. Several months way back. Back I think pre-COVID, um, and it was. Can we the, think back that far? Uh, yeah, I, there was a time. Uh, and this was the Perry Mason series on on HBO Max, right? And it's for those of you who don't know who the heck Perry Mason is, he's a, a defense attorney, a private defense attorney that people can hire. From the the old, it was it was originally written by uh, Earl Stanley Gardner back in, if I remember right, the '30s, late '30s, early '40s. And uh, by the way, when, ladies and gentlemen. We are now in Alex Simmons's time machine. <laughs> okay, so anyway. Earl Stanley Gardner. Earl Stanley Gardner wrote this series about this defense attorney who had his own sort of bend the rules kind of way of defending the innocent and so forth and so on. Um, the TV series jumped off in the late 50s uh, with Raymond Burr as a star. And went on for nine years and was very popular and had a formula that everybody was very, very familiar with and very comforting. We always knew Perry was going to win. And 99% of the time, all of his clients were innocent. Now, this is an assignment. Yes, this series that HBO Max did 
is not set in present day as the series in the 50s, 60s were. This series is set right after World War I. And Perry has been a soldier in the war and seen some ugly things. It's had, it scarred him badly. And he's a private detective in Los Angeles when it starts out. And the story goes for eight episodes as we watch the story arc and we watch what he goes through, covers some really interesting stuff and does some really interesting things with the characters that people would be familiar with if they'd either read the books or uh, had seen the original TV series, as, as I have done both. Uh, not to mention I have episodes of the old radio show. So your assignment, based on what we've said about WandaVision, your assignment is to watch the new HBO Max series. I don't but care. first. Excuse me. Yeah. But first, I want you to watch at least four episodes from the original TV series. Where can I find that? Excuse me? Where can I find the original Perry Mason? Netflix. 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 So I should watch like the first four episodes? First four episodes or four episodes out of the first season. Okay. Gives you a taste of the the formula, the pattern, the banter, all of that sort of stuff. So I got that taste, and then I go to HBO Max. Then you go to HBO Max, and you watch at least four episodes of the new series. And what is the new series called? Is it still Perry Mason? Perry Mason. All right. Because if they Uh, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, it wouldn't have the same effect. True. Challenge accepted, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who are. Watch this regularly and have fun with us. Uh, you too. You too can. You, you too. I'm not sure of a bond on the edge, but you too can <laughs> take the Alex Simmons Perry Mason challenge with us and be ready for us to discuss that next week. We, are, of course, are going to be orgasmic about episode nine of WandaVision, and then we'll say, but how about Perry? That's real. We'll be able to make that, that point. probably Ooh. just the way he did. And I'm going to sh- I'm going to do something else to you, Chris. Because hey, the- now I'm married, guy. That you just performed this last thirty seconds of physicality. I'm going to find a clip of Lou Costello, of from Abbott and Costello, and I'm going to play it next to what you just did. Because right down to the facial expression, it was spooky for a split second. I'm going, Whoa. Is- <laughs> he's channeling <laughs> Lou Costello. Okay. I think it, I think the film is Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. I think it's I think when he's when when Dracula comes up, he's like, oh, Chuck, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. now it's now it's time for me to ask you, what did you do this week? Yeah, I through everything that we've done on that side. So yes, uh, I also uh, try and be uh, quick on this. This was um, both uh, um, a teaching week for me and a panel week for me. So on the teaching level, I was teaching from Monday through Friday a number of screenwriting students, first and foremost, uh, which uh, were located, some in the New York area, but because we're doing virtual, also literally uh, other parts of the U.S. and my my, my favorite uh, really fun experience of recent is teaching African students who are literally piping in into this into this classroom, this virtual classroom, from all over the continent of Africa. So it's not one school, one city. They're in different parts of Africa coming in to these writing classes that I'm teaching. And it's really fun. 
and excited. Ladies and gentlemen, when I introduce Alex Simmons as the globe-trotting inventor, okay, this is what I mean. He's the, even when he is locked in with a pandemic, he is still all around the world. That's, well, I, I that's, that's Alex Simmons. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I also, you know, that was the teaching thing. In the panel thing, you know, there was uh, two panels. It was Reggie Khan was one. Uh, there was another one I did, uh, and then uh, Reggie Khan. What's Reggie Khan? Reggie Khan. You know, you, I knew you were going to ask that. It was a con that was uh, again virtual. That was uh, presented, pub, uh, produced by the University of Illinois. Uh, so you know, you know, Comic Cons are becoming you know the thing, virtual. one of the things. So you know, you've got different uh, venues doing these mm-hmm. things now: schools, libraries, universities, and so forth. So that was something that I was involved in. And in that panel, I was on the uh, Wakanda Forever panel, and we were talking about uh, the Black Panther, Don McGregor, and the movie, and the impact that the concept, you know, just the concept which Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, you know, brought into the world, what the concept of the Black Panther and Wakanda, you know, has meant or how it has affected the public. And then we talked forward from that, the different writers and the... uh, the psychological, you know, connotations of, and it was just really a very heady conversation, which is great, about a fictional character in a world. But, you know, the impact of that is real, and mm-hmm. people react to it as real. So it was a very exciting conversation. So we had that. Is, is Reggie Khan available on the Internet? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, it was promoted on Facebook. So I would say go to Google, click, 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 click. Uh, it was videotaped, so there's more than likely somewhere on the net it's sitting there. All right, and, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Regicon. And most assuredly, uh, if I can find the link myself, I'll put it in, in our comments. And then the other one I did uh, just yesterday, which was I was interviewed. No, sorry. Take that back. I was on a panel um, for what's called JanCon, J-A-N-N, Con. And that's the Jamaican animation con, right? Fantastic. Yep, right. So Jamaica, you know, right? So literally, this was coming from Jamaica. So two, I was on a panel with uh, three other uh, writer artists, and um, two of them were in Jamaica. They lived, you know, born and raised and lived there. One had been raised in Jamaica, was now living in Canada. And then there was myself and the uh, moderator. And it was a great, great conversation. We talked a lot about, again, uh, not only the Black Panther and comics and creativity, but also the impact and the challenges of being uh, creators of color, trying to get our stories or our characters out into the industry and the world where either your challenges are the location or country you come from or you're living in or the industry and you know some of those, those barriers and, and gatekeepers who are working by a sort of either, um, as, as the phrase went, a, a white man's criteria, you know, white male criteria, or... Uh, I hate those. Yeah, oh, yeah, or total superheroes. You know, like a lot of people are very into comics. It must be superheroes. It can't be anything else. And not everybody's doing superheroes, you know. They're doing oh. stories of relevance. Uh, and I'm not saying superhero stories can't be relevant, but they're doing stories that speak about social issues, or slice of life, or things like that, and it has no spandex and no capes. So I'll tell you, I, I have stuff. a. I'm teaching a graphic novels course, and there's one kid who does 
anime and one kid who does superheroes and all the rest of the kids that they're digging all the other independent stuff they're digging the relationship stuff the life oh yeah there's so storytelling and that's what it comes back to it's tell your story in our case tell your damn story but the bottom line is tell a good story and the stories do not have to have it's not required that there be superpowers or fantastic world it's fun if that's what you're doing but it's it shouldn't be the only thing and again the criteria shouldn't be that only certain people have a right to do that you know i think quality is a factor i think if you have a good story to tell and you're doing a quality job go for it period you know that's that's it but you know that's the world but as i said this was one of the things i was involved in uh this week and you know talking with a lot of people getting input about creativity from different countries, different cultures, male and female, different uh, educational levels. It's all very stimulating, and, and certain things are definitely reaffirmed in terms of what is a good story, you know, what is it like to, to reach into yourself as a resource, uh, what is it like to, you know, when you, I think he even brought it up with, uh, with when you're talking about Benjamin, Benjamin Percy's book there, uh, mm-hmm. about a clear narrative. You know, yeah. What are you trying to say? with your story and, and how are you saying it so that your readers or your viewers can can really be engaged with it, get it, you know, even if you're playing, you know, sleight of hand and you're giving them red herrings and things like that, still, they when, when the story's over, they go, yeah, he played fair with me, she played fair with me, I got, wow, what a ride, that was great, I'm really, you know, those pa- characters were compelling. These are the things that we shoot for, you know, yeah. making another Superman, you know, if that's something you want to do for the fun of it, fine. But if you've got other stories to tell, dig in there, bring them out. Let's see what you can. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're learning that we don't need the superpower to tell the human story. But Mm -hmm. I think we would be remiss if we didn't say that very, very often the greatest superhero stories are really stories about, you know, the, the human condition, you know. You know, it's funny you say that because we were talking about WandaVision, no spoilers. And and that is definitely, a, I'd say 80% of that is about the emotions, the human emotions that she and others are dealing with in that series. And one other thing I'll say about this, and then we have another thing, another topic to jump to involving creative writing, is that I watched last night, after watching Perry, uh, I watched um, an animated movie, um, Oh, just as I started to say it, it went out of my head. It was a Superman movie, Man of Tomorrow. Superman, Man of Tomorrow, which I've been reading, you know, a lot of reactions to it. And I think I said, well, okay, let me sit and watch this one. And I have mixed feelings, so I'll just try and be succinct. I liked what the story was about. I, I felt like something was lacking in the execution, but I really applaud the story effort and goal and I think that it might just be me and how I reacted to it uh, to the storytelling something about that just I think maybe I would have preferred to have read it than watched the movie we look forward to your cards and letters ladies (laughs) (laughs) Um, go ahead I would I would counter that not about that movie but um, there is a superhero story out there where one superhero says to the other superhero, isn't love grief, no, isn't grief love persevering? 
Yes. Yes, and, there and, is. And, and that line, so far in 2021, my favorite line of 2021. Yep. Oh, my God. Woo! The yep. fields. All right. So um, we have one more topic for today. Yes, we do. Yes, this is the topic I want to explore with you. Um, and here, um, uh, here you are, a man of a great creative experience. And um, it sounds like I'm setting you up for a punchline, but it's actually no punchline here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, was, I was waiting. I was ready. But um, you have been both, and we have both been members of these things and runners of these things, you know. And as I ascend and start to build, maybe not ascend, but uh, start to build credibility as a published author, traditionally published author, mm-hmm. and, and, and work to expand my credibility um, and saleability as an uh, independent author, um, I find myself still struggling with some of these things. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's... it's the reason we bring it up here is because I think a lot of creatives enter these things and, and find themselves asking these questions. So the topic is the pros and cons of leaving a writer's group. Mm. I, I am currently in a writer's group, and um, I have found myself struggling with the question about, you know, whether I'm doing more harm than good being involved in that, you know, for myself and my own writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone recently left this group and ironic, ironically left the group and, and for good reasons, a focus on um, her contracted right. God bless her. That's a really good professional reason. You know, Hey, clock's ticking. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the irony was that she announced this right after convincing me not to leave the group because I had one foot out the door. So uh, that was ironic. Um, And here's the reason I was considering leaving so that we can give a a fair bit of material to make a judgment. Okay. So I was getting feedback that clearly indicated a lack of attention to the work. Here's a true quote. Uh, can you use a pronoun to describe this crime victim? The pronoun him was in the second line of that paragraph. It was a very specific paragraph that the person or the member was talking about. So can, mm. we, can we even get a pronoun? And I'm, I'm looking at the paragraph. Second line, it said him. So uh, how much attention is being paid, right? And meanwhile, I read and reread and, and work on the comments because I feel that's the duty of, you know, membership, right? If you're going to be in it, you have to be in it. Secondly, I was getting remarks in a really disparaging tone. And I know when you're reading things, tone can be a little weird. So mm-hmm. everyone should. So I, I pushed that tone away for, we've been at this four or five weeks already. But um, stuff like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. But it was from the person who is very quick to uh, send in the notes from, you know, whatever is being contributed. Always the first one to respond with here. Here, here are my comments for this week. And, and it's just, I mean, everyone else understood it completely. And week after week after week. So I know the rule. And, and, and in service of people who listen, you know, when you're in a writer's group, 
you watch the pattern, right? If three or four people say that you have to look at something, you really should look at something, you know? Um, and that's the rule of thumb that I have. And then, and don't defend yourself. So mm-hmm. I, I, I try not to do any of that stuff. But because these, the two people, I would, I know I would get those every week from the rewrite of a book that has already won a couple of awards that has been through a professional, uh, uh, editor and who I am going to give this last version. I'm sworn on a stack of bleak, you know, beating hearts that this is the last rewrite. And I think 435 is enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've gotten so much commentary about how tight it is and how clear it is and how fast-paced and moving and thrilling and, and, and how well, this professional editor said it really sings now. Uh, one of the other uh, writing group members said, I, I really love how tight it is and it's really going and there's so much improvement going on and all that stuff. And yet I find myself dreading submitting the next section because of those two. So two out uh, of many. It used to be out of six. Now it's five. Yeah. Okay. Um, when all five show up, which is another problem for me, you know, if you commit, commit, you know? Um, so I have two questions. Um, is that me, the one I've laid out to you, is that me being defensive? Because I think, I really believe you have to check yourself. You have mm-hmm. to really, really be clear. So I, I'm going to ask you for that. Is the, all of this I'm saying to you, is it me being defensive? Or is it me expecting proper respect for the work? And a commitment to, if you're going to commit to be in a writing group, commit to the work, right? That's the first question. The second question is, when does a writer have the right to expect that respect for the work. Is it early on? Do you have to do a certain amount of things? And the last question is whether it is more important to honor a commitment that you've made or is it more important to get out of a situation that is you're, you're coming to dread and you feel is starting to hamper your confidence and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to, I gave you those to start the wheels turning. Now we're going to re-ask and I'm going to listen to your answers. Well, I would work backwards actually. Okay. Yeah. So the, the last question, the last shall be first. We're getting biblical here. Yes, we are. Story. (laughs) So uh, that would be, is it more important to honor a commitment for something like a writer's group? Oh, it's going to be eight weeks or whatever it is. Um, or get out of a situation that you're beginning to dread. Yeah. Um, That's complicated because, yeah, you know, you're, you're very, signing on for a learning it's, it's very complicated, and it's the kind of question that, to me anyway, I feel uh, there's a couple of ways of measuring your response to that. Uh, like, for instance, you said eight weeks. Let's just say it was eight weeks, and I don't know how often you meet each week, but let's assume it's once a week. Okay, so once a week for how long? Per session. Somewhere, somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours. Okay. So it's, it's two times eight, which is 16 hours uh, out of your life uh, to see if something works. 
I think that, you know, just, just off the numbers, that's okay. That's an okay investment. That's not even a, a college semester. So I think, yeah, you can, you can put in that kind of time to see if you're going to get something out of it. I think that honoring your commitment is, is a question that only ethical people really ask. You know, so I, I believe writers should be ethical. But yeah. So what if, do I know if what you're do I an know? person, if you're an ethical person or if ethics matter or if you if you think of yourself as fair, I do what I say I'm going to do white on others. Then I think, yeah, you're going to stick it out. You're going to mm-hmm. stick it out. And, and you're going to adjust your expectations from the group based on your experience on a week to week basis. If, as you're experiencing, as you move through this, you're starting to point out or pick up on certain things that are not sitting well with you, then you're going to say halfway through or all the, you know, at the other end of it, that was useful to this extent, but otherwise it was a waste of time, or I'm glad that's over, or, yeah, I got a lot out of it. I wish these two yokels hadn't been there, but what the heck. But either way, you'll get something out of it. I mean, you get, we get stuck with working with people or teachers or whatever that don't serve us, but okay, we had the experience and somehow maybe that'll be useful later. So that's my response to the third one. What was the second one? Yeah. Um, and I, I would just add that, you know, you can temper, you got to be careful because, you know, we're in a time where we put ourselves in bubbles and if someone disagrees with us, we discount that opinion. Yeah. Um, you have to be very careful and very aware of whether you're getting uh, your trigger pulled or not. Um, but if, again, if, if the majority is saying to look at something, that's usually a good idea to look at it. If, um, if everyone understands a par- paragraph or a passage and one person doesn't, it, it says some, more about that's that person. Wrong question. So give me, give me question right? number two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I, I, again, we are now looking to, be of service to whoever's watching this than no more than me. Um, all right. So, um, when does a write, writer have the right to expect his or her work or their work to be respected on its merits, you know, because it exists. Okay, so once again, we're talking about human beings here. Again, my perspective. We're talking about human beings here, and there are going to be some yutzes no matter where you go. I think that a writer or even someone who is aspiring to be a writer and putting in the work has a right to respect. Mm -hmm. That's the way I approach any of my students. You know, they've never written a script before or they've written 27 scripts. I am not going to disrespect you as I attempt to find out where you are in your skill set and your awareness and so forth. Um, I will give you respect, you will give me respect, or we'll earn each other's respect, but it's got to be there. If I have no respect for you because you're less than or you're not quite or whatever, uh, I, I shouldn't be your teacher. And, and that's, that's, my, that's my ground-based rule. I will meet a six-year-old who wants to tell me about a drawing or a story that he or she has done, and I'm not, I will not say to them, oh, come on, you're a six-year-old, what, what, what have you got to show me? It's not going to happen. Right. To that child, it's important. To that teenager, what they're doing is important. To that adult who's 60 years old and has just 
just putting their toe in the water because they had a blue-collar job all their life, and now they want to try and see if they have that creative swing. Yeah, I'm going to show you respect because you've asked me to help you. You've right. asked me to look at your work and, and maybe be of some assistance in guiding you forward. I will not disrespect that. Right. And if somebody's ego is in the way of them doing that, they need to step off. And I and I think the flip side of that is as you know, if you're the one whose work is being reviewed, mm-hmm. don't defend. Just take notes. Yeah. And even if someone is being to use the official Alex Simmons term, a yutz, um, <laughs> yeah. I just hard for that one. <laughs> you, you take you. You take it on the basis of yutzhut, you know, okay, this is what this yutz is saying. Um, is there anything I can learn from that? Exactly. And the lesson might be they're talking more about themselves than the work, mm-hmm. or it might be, hmm, they're probably very busy. And, okay, they didn't really pay as much attention, you know, see what you can grab from them and then move on. Well, what, I would quickly, what I would quickly add on top of what Chris is saying, too, is, is remember that when you show your work, it's, and, and often this phrase is used, it's like showing your child, it's like showing your baby, you know, and we're sensitive and we're vulnerable. And if somebody doesn't love our baby, you know, it hurts or it makes us upset or angry because we're now questioning the validity of our own blah, 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 blah. Breathe. Breathe. It's tough. It's tough. Yes. But exhale. Exhale. Let go of that immediate emotional. Oh, no. Pull back. Breathe. Listen. Mm -hmm. Engage at that point. Just like Chris was saying, is there anything they're saying, even if it bothers me, is there anything that I can use? Right. And, And remember that even the most beloved baby has to get its diapers changed fairly often. <laughs> so, you Never know, yes. if, if someone said, um, I think the diaper, it's probably valid. So, so that allows us to um, answer that first one. of the question. Yeah, yeah because yeah. It, it's really never, it, it's never productive to be defensive, especially in a meeting like that, you know, you can feel it and all that sort of stuff. And I I thought it was really useful to bring that up, you know, with the sense of dread. Well, I think if you're ever, anytime you put yourself out there, you know, you, if you're, you know, aware at all, you're going to have that sense of dread, you know, before you step on the court for some, you know, big game or backstage, you know, back when I would do stand-up comedy, you know, as they're getting ready to announce, yeah, you feel like you have to throw up, you know. Why was Uh, that? Why am I here? (laughs) Before your scene comes up in a play, you know, you're either running the lines or you're getting yourself, depending on what the role is, you know, you're getting yourself ready to burst on the screen or to walk it, you know, getting yourself in character, all of that. You know, that's part of the process. So if if you find yourself, you know, dreading the, the next submission. I think uh, you're asking the first question. What was the first question? Well, again? the first question is, do you, have, do you have a right to be defensive? 
There you and, go. Okay. And demand respect. Um, keep the, I'm, and I'm saying, you know, be a poker player with that. Keep, you know, keep your hand to yourself. You know, don't tell them you have aces or, you know, or you have deuces. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also think that being defensive about work is uh, a never helpful. I, I there was one time in this writing that, you know, I, I, I explained to us, listen, you're, you're demanding that it, you're kind of treating this like a short story. It's a novel. It happens to be an award-winning novel, and it, you know, it does kind of lay out all of a modernization of Dante's Inferno, but we are not going to do that in eight pages. And then I regretted doing that because I sounded defensive, you know? So you have to just kind of, mm-hmm, well, thank you for that. I'll, I'll look into that. I can do that. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll look. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, take it into consideration. You know, those kind of answers and make, write your notes, then assess what's right for your work. And here, here's, here's the other thing you need to, you need to do, um, engaging your defensive reaction. And that is, why did you ask for critique in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted only to hear accolades, right? Don't bother. Don't, True. don't bother. You know. But at the same time, you would like the same amount of attention to be paid right. that you're attention you're paying. But, but what I'm, you're what just I'm not about, you're always not going to get that. Yeah. What, I, what I'm talking that. about though is because sometimes that is the way some writers will approach being in a writers group or giving it to their beta readers or their whoever. They're going to want to hear that's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, old yeah. bread. Yeah. And, and that's literally all they want to hear is how wonderful it is, how great it is. And when they start to hear that there's some things that need to be fixed, not that it sucks, but there's right. some things I was unclear about, some things need to be fixed. You can tighten this up. You know, they start getting defensive. They start fighting back, lashing out, shutting down. Any of those things are not productive if you care, not care about you. If you care about making that story as accessible and tight and quality right. the public as as it can be. Because then, yeah, I gotta take some hits. I gotta take some hits. You know? And if you become defensive and shut down, then in the the words of the raging bull, it defeats its own poipus. You know? He said it just like that. <laughs> you yeah. You have to open yourself, and then it's it, when you open yourself to feedback, then you have to train yourself to clearly, and this is a neat trick, clearly assess the feedback you're getting. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, I mean, I'm six weeks in before I'm willing to say, hmm, um, maybe these two things are valid. Uh, uh, points to make, you know, that uh, I don't think uh, they're really giving uh, adequate time to uh, to the passages. Um, but that doesn't you know, that doesn't negate the overall experience. I, I want to mention one more thing before we because we will have to go in a moment. I want to mention this one thing because you brought this up actually pre-show as part of this discussion here when we were going over the questions. And no, I didn't prep for the questions. I just, you know, who's going to mention who's going to do these things? Is um, should one, you know, leave a writer's group, you know, period? And my response to that was that I think a writer's group, like an editor, 
they're only as good as 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 the individual or individuals you're dealing with. You know, there are some editors I've met over the decades who really were nothing more than traffic cops. They were getting the stories in and getting them to the next phase or the next person who had to work on it, whatever. They barely read them, you know, or they were looking for spelling or typos, and that was pretty much it. They weren't looking at it constructively as a story. There are others who actually kept giving notes that clearly, after a while, if you're listening, indicated how they would have written the story, not how you're writing it. Right. Why are you hiring me? You write it. So if I didn't listen to them, I mean, really open myself up, as Chris was saying, really open yourself up, really hear, take it home, sit on it, really go through it, you realize, that's just, no, that's, but, mm, okay. Then you realize, okay, I'm not going to write like this person. So this editor and I are never going to be on that same page. I have some choices to make here. So I feel, you know, the, the groups are the same thing. You can find really good supportive groups. You can find really good, great supportive editors, but you have to find them. Yeah. And if, yeah, and if you're a freelance writer and you're going to different places and are you, you're joining different groups, you're going to run into some yutzes. That's uh-huh. it. That's, that's reality. If you're stuck there, you get the assignment done, do the assignment, move on. Don't take that with you to the next person you deal with. Measure them by their actions. Writing group, I think the same thing. If you're dealing with people who just want to be able to tear at you because they're upset with themselves, their work, whatever, it's not serving you. Yeah, and it, I would add two last points. One, um, the content, the makeup of the group is really important. Like if if everyone is writing a similar genre you're going to get a deeper uh, commitment to the work. If it's widespread, some people aren't going to like what you're, the genre you're writing in, and they're going to be looking at it from the prism of a completely different genre, and you have to be able to as- assess that because there could be value in that, but it also could temper where they fall in in the hierarchy of who I have to listen. Uh, lastly, uh, like anything else, we have to go through these experiences, right? Uh, best way to learn how to write in a genre, um, let's say you teach screenwriting, one of the best ways is to watch one or two classics in a genre and eight real failures, right? Because you le- once you, le- you see the two, wow, how beautifully that was done, and then you watch like Plan 9 from Outer Space oh. or something, Right. <laughs> well, then, but, wow. But you learn so much more from the catastrophe because it's not up to that level. And, and seeing both sides, that's where in between you're like, OK, I, I know the pros and cons. So, you know, if it's if you're feeling a little dread, if you're feeling a little hesitant, jump in anyway and have that experience and learn from it. It might be you know, uh, greatest movie ever made, or it might be Plan 9 from Outer Space, it's still a valuable uh, educational experience. And that was the Chris Ryan time machine. That is Plan 9. You just read Hey, if, I tell you what. If, wow. If, I didn't see that one coming. That's, if you haven't seen it and you're interested in film, that's required watching, but you have to be ready for how awful it is. Right. It's required watching for absolutely what not 
to do. <laughs> yes, yes, but but it's so rich in that. You yes. Know? Uh, there was another movie not too long ago, a couple of um, uh, uh, a couple of years ago. That movie that was so bad, uh, Franco. I forget what his his first name is. Um, uh, kind of a he was in one of the Spider-Man movies as um, Harry Nelson. No, no, is it William DeFrank? No. Whatever that, that guy who played Harry Osborne in like like the second Spider-Man series, uh, he played the director of that horrible and just it just made it so that people would see and and you can watch those two together and say oh my god what an education that was wow. i forgot the name of it uh ladies and gentlemen if you know the film james franco of, james franco right yeah. and if you know the uh the film he made based on the horrible recent film um put it in the comments so everybody can share <laughs> <laughs> all right Oh, I got to mention one more quick thing, and then it's a good note to go out on. Last week, we did our first ever Facebook Live. Yes, that's true. Yeah, now, he's notice how enthusiastic he was. I'm Well, we survived. We survived it. We I did think it was fun. Five. I'm going to tell you, we did better than survived. Not only was Ooh. it last and a half seeing his face all over the big screen, it was super, super fun to have the author, Cassine Gaines, yeah. All, all the great stuff he shared about his new book, Footnotes, and the history behind the, the piece that he did. By the way, Footnotes is not fiction. It's a, a book that he wrote based on the uh, the circumstances behind the Broadway Shuffle. show of the 1920s called Shuffle Along, which right. is all black musical on Broadway, a number of things behind the scenes and interesting about that that came from you know, that started there in the 20s and came all the way forward to invo- involve August Wilson. And a potential, you know, remake in the in the, what was it two thousands? It was just wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. And I tell you what, I I don't want to say they were biting off our Facebook Live, but hot on the heels of Kasim Gaines' appearance on our Tell a Damn Story Facebook Live, Hollywood Reporter did an article on him and got an excerpt from the book, and then Library Journal published their thoughts on it so you know it was because, some of these people want to be like us that's all it I'm was it was because of us they didn't get it. <laughs> here's a big deal here's a big deal here's the other big deal 503 people jumped on board to check that out Woo! and we got 97 ongoing commentaries throughout i mean now that, to me, I'm looking at that because we were just having a blast. We were just yes, having we a blast. Were. It was our first one. We didn't do a lot of heavy promotion on it. We, we just wanted to, to do it and have a good time and, and work, hang out with the scene and all that. And, I, again, as far as I could tell, we were having a good time, and it was, it was really chock full of good information. So I just, I good I, I'm, I'm going to try and talk Chris into doing this again. You know, because Done. I'm ready. There you go. You can still watch that Facebook Live, right? If you go to Tell the Damn Story on Facebook. Tell the Damn Story Facebook. You might have to scroll a little bit, but there we are. Yeah, yeah. It's still there. And uh, actually, by the way, the actual interview and everything with Cassine starts 13 minutes in. Yeah. Okay. Because 13 minutes are goofy behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And we started out early because we wanted to make sure we were on. It was streaming properly. Some people couldn't find it. So we had to fix some things. 
So if you want to watch behind the scenes stuff for 13 minutes while you make a sandwich, you know, not a sandwich, sandwich, you know, then you can just let it roll. But 13 minutes in is when the interview and everything else starts. So you can uh, see me yelling at my entourage, get out of here, hair and makeup. I'm not. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's exactly that, what you'll That didn't think. happen. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, again, the medication kicked in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to talk about that. And yes, uh, Chris has now agreed. So we're going to be doing that again. I will. That was fun, man. Up. I will let you know. We will let you know when. Maybe, maybe a little little push, a little pressure on. Maybe we can get a, a, a quick jump in from the always busy. Tim Fielder to talk about Infinitum, his masterpiece. Now, now you know what would be fun is if we we not only get Big T back here, you know, for that or Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook Live. Live, but also uh, once the Black Panther Tales of Wakanda book is out, there's several of the authors there I would love to get uh, Man, on our that show. Would be well, cool. so that, I, would be cool. that should be our goals for the next. You know, uh, a few weeks. Maybe maybe we can do one soon. You reach out to some of those people, and I can do this. This will be my part of Facebook Live when that happens. <laughs> he does it so well. For those of you who can't tell right now, he's got a shocked face with a drop jaw look. That's that's it, and he does it really really well. Or I could do this. <sighs> now he's pining. He's pining. He's starstruck. Okay. <laughs> Which is pretty much the way I would act. Well, I could do this. He came into the studio with us. I'm not in that book. Yeah. <laughs> not that one. But you're in that one with that I one up there. In California Scheming, the 2020 Bujacan Anthology with, with tales by Kara Block and Perry, uh, Scott Turow, Walter Mosley, my hero, Anthony Horowitz, Katrina McFarland, Pearson and you say and many other people look at this that's the beaver <laughs> take a smell that is oh oh that's all oh, so much goodness in there so much goodness all right ladies and gentlemen he, he, yeah he dropped all those names and, and now i feel obligated let me just do this very quickly so in the tales of wakanda we've got linda d addison we've oh. got uh ll mckinney we've got Tim, timmy O. We've got uh, uh, Cherie Renee Thomas. We've got Woo! Troy o. Wiggins, and we've got oh my goodness, we got Nikki Giovanni, and hey. and 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 are you ready for this? And and are you really Alex Simmons? Oh, the the Alex Simmons. Eighteen. That's right. The few of the eighteen writers for Black Panther: Tales of Wakanda, and I think wonderful folks go out, check it out, get it, enjoy it, get all the books we've talked about, even get the Avengers: Vision and Scarlet Witch. A Year in the Life, get that, and definitely get Thrill Me by Benjamin uh, Percy. Yes. Why if you're a writer, if you're a creative, whoa, whoa. Read, read, read. You should never stop learning. You should never stop learning. Absolutely. You can't, or else you atrophy. Right on and on that. That, that note, it's been fun, Chris. As always, we've been a little bit nuts today, but that's okay. <laughs> it's it's what works. I just get I I have so much fun with this podcast and with talking to my long 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 term time friend, godfather of one of my sons, brother from another mother, <laughs> legend around the what? world, Alex Simmons. Okay, I'm gonna pull out that that write up that Maureen did for you. I'm. Gonna... <laughs> Everybody take care. We'll see you again next time. Adios.